Welcome to the Gallipod, with me, Gallipacidia. In this episode, I'm reading part 7 of my fic, Scaredy Cat. If you're not here for dry fanfic, you're in the wrong place. Content warning, this story deals with themes of depression and PTSD. I hope you enjoy Scaredy Cat. Chapter 13 When Harry was older, he would sometimes try to remember the weight and texture of those early miseries, but never with much success. He would have a dim recollection that it had been hard, so hard that it had felt impossible to get through, but only in the way he sometimes remembered books he had read in childhood. He remembered what he had decided about the books, not the books themselves. The only image that stayed vividly with him was that of grief as a predator, waiting for moments when Harry was weak to pounce. And that was how it had been all that night, like being mauled by something cruel and nebulous that would never let him go. The moment he turned into a kitten, the feeling seemed to drop him. That was always how it felt. Harry didn't have feelings. Feelings had him. He was small, and alarmed, but bold. Distantly in the corner of his mind, there was something trying to get in, but first he focused on the physical. There was something soft beneath his paws, so he needed at it, and was flooded with strange, unplaceable comfort. Draco touched his head, tentatively at first. Harry moved against his hand because it felt good. Not exactly good on its own, more like the sudden absence of pain. And then Draco scratched his chin, and it did feel good then, purely, simply good, and Harry's whole body vibrated, his bones moving against the easy pleasure in a way that felt good for them, somehow, healing. Something was trying to get into his mind, but couldn't. Harry rolled over onto his back. Oh, you're easy, said Draco, and rubbed Harry's belly. You're supposed to protect your belly from enemies, you know. The words floated cloudily through Harry's mind, He could have chosen to understand them more if he wanted, but he decided they weren't important. Something was trying to get into his head. Harry could ignore it, but it felt bad to ignore it. Draco scooped him up into his arms. You do this to me all the time, so I'm going to assume it's okay, he said, then kissed the top of Harry's head. It became more and more obvious with each passing moment that Harry was ignoring something crucial, something undeniable. He remembered resisting the imperious curse in Mad-Eye Moody's classroom. It was like that? Draco kissed the top of Harry's paws. It felt good to purr. It felt simple. Mad-Eye Moody hadn't been Mad-Eye Moody anyway, and Dumbledore hadn't been who Harry thought he was when he was a child and Dumbledore seemed like God, and Harry wasn't Harry anymore. Unkitten, he thought. Hello, said Draco, surprised. Harry was in his lap on the bed. Draco had one of Harry's hands held to his mouth. You're back, quick. Harry's life fell back on him, heavy and poisonous. He pressed himself into Draco's chest, and Draco resisted for a moment, then wrapped his arms snugly around him. Didn't work, said Harry. Draco rocked him slowly. Didn't you like it? I could feel my thoughts at the margins, said Harry. Couldn't you just ignore them? That's what I do. Harry shook his head. He felt uncomfortably aware of the fact that he was in Draco's room, and that Draco probably wanted him to leave. I'll go in a bit, he said. There was a long silence before Draco kissed the top of Harry's head and said, It's okay. Stay. Are you just saying that because I want to stay? asked Harry. He was too tired to dissemble. He was wrung out. No, said Draco. Then again, more slowly. No. 
They rearranged themselves on the bed, Draco spooning Harry, wrapping his arms tightly around his torso. Thank you, said Harry. Any time, said Draco. It wasn't awkward in the morning. Draco made them both coffee and brought it up to bed. Neither of them said a word. Harry was so tired he felt like an alien in human skin. Draco showed up at his work at lunchtime. They had another silent lunch, and after work, Ron and Hermione showed up with food and wine. Draco said you've not been feeling well, said Hermione. They're having such a hard time, Draco had said. Draco, incidentally, was nowhere to be found. Oh, the Slytherins are having some exclusive snakes-only get-together, said Ron, when Harry asked about him. It's not like that, Ron, said Hermione. Don't be envious. I'm not envious. Ron doesn't like it when Draco and Theo hang out without him, said Hermione. I'm no good at talking to your side about the war, Draco had said, and Harry hoped that he could talk to Theo and Goyle at least. After they'd eaten, Ron and Hermione sat on either end of the sofa, Harry in between them. It felt purposefully engineered. They had both been on good form all through dinner, funny and easy and in love, apparently unperturbed by Harry's quietness. But then Harry was so often quiet. Draco said you wanted to talk to us, said Hermione, gently. Harry frowned. Did he? Is he being a meddling Slytherin, or is he right? She asked. Do you want to talk to us? Harry didn't know. He fixed his gaze on his feet on the sofa. His knees were up by his chest. About what? He asked. Well, Hermione hesitated. Draco said, about the war. I don't really know how to talk about that, said Harry. Have you tried getting very drunk and shouting at strangers? Asked Ron. That's what I do. Harry looked at him. You never get drunk. Not around people I care about, said Ron. Harry frowned. But you're... He glanced at Hermione. You two are really great together, I thought. Yeah, said Ron, his eyes going to Hermione's as if pulled by a string. We're good. But that doesn't mean we're fine, Harry, said Hermione. Did you think it did? You seem happy together, said Harry. I mean, I want you to be happy together. We're together, said Hermione. When we're happy and when we're not. But Harry, mate... We... Have we been leaving you out? Asked Ron, and Harry stared at his feet some more. I, I don't know, he said. I don't know. And then things got a little blurry, because Hermione practically smothered him with hugs, and Ron kept saying, But you're my best friend. I thought you just didn't want that anymore. You're my best friend. And by the time Draco came home, the three of them were so completely entangled on the sofa that Harry couldn't move. Draco pretended to take a picture of them with an imaginary camera. Papped, he said. The golden trio engages in sick, fully clothed sexual perversion. Turn to page three to find out more. How was your wanky Slytherin party for twats? asked Ron. I'll sue you for slander, said Draco, unwinding a long scarf and dropping it on the coffee table. It wasn't even cold out, but Draco liked to be warm. Come join, said Hermione. So he did, climbing in behind her on the sofa and resting his head on her shoulder. I bought you this jumper, he said, rubbing his cheek on it. It's so fucking soft, said Ron. Please buy her more clothes. It's not her birthday, said Draco, sleepily. None of them moved, then. They just lay together in a pile. Harry's neck was twisted at an odd angle, and Hermione's hip dug into his stomach, and after a little while it hurt, 
but Harry didn't say anything, because hurting that way was better than being alone. When Ron and Hermione left, Harry and Draco went to Numbly upstairs. Draco's bedroom was across the corridor from Harry's. They both hesitated. Well, said Harry. I don't want to lead you on, said Draco. I haven't changed my mind. Harry didn't say anything. Draco bit the side of his lip. It wasn't seductive. He was nervous and uncertain. But if you need me in the night, he said, dropping his eyes. Will you go to sleep with me? Just sleep, said Harry. Such tiny little movements in Draco's face. Harry understood none of them, only that they meant Draco was thinking, that Draco didn't know what he thought. Is that a good idea? asked Draco, finally. No, said Harry. He was loose-tongued with sadness still. But I need you. Draco held one of his elbows, pinning his arm to his side. He nodded slowly. Okay, he said, and followed Harry into his bedroom. They stripped off into boxes, as they had so many times before, and climbed into bed. Opposite sides of the double, a wide space between them, Draco on his back and Harry on his side. What did you tell Ron and Hermione? asked Harry. I'm sorry, said Draco immediately. It's okay, it was good, we talked a bit, said Harry. Oh? Yeah. Draco sighed. That's good, he said. It didn't make sense how you'd grown apart. Harry pushed his face into his pillow until the guilt had passed. Yeah, he said, when he was back in the present. I'll try to be better. Harry. Harry waited, but Draco didn't finish. Do you talk to the Slytherins about the war? Asked Harry. Oh, uh, a bit, sometimes. As our post-war book club. We only uh, talk sideways. You know when you can see something out of the corner of your eye, but it disappears if you look straight at it? I suppose. So, said Draco, as if that explained everything. When Harry woke up in the night, Draco sleepily said, Come here, darling, and welcomed Harry into his arms. You're okay, he said into Harry's hair as Harry trembled. Poor thing, you're okay. But when Harry had calmed down and said, Draco, Draco had fallen asleep again and didn't answer. Only once, in the weeks that followed, did Harry directly try to address what was going on between them. They slept in Harry's bed every night. Draco no longer used the collar. They had lunch, and on days when Harry felt a little better they chatted and laughed and were generally the best kind of friends. But they never kissed, and rarely touched. Harry didn't bring it up when they were in bed. He brought it up, oddly, when they were both sitting in the open window of Seamus Finnegan's downstairs loo. The party was too loud, and Harry had said, I've never had a cigarette, I want to try one, and Draco had laughed at him and stolen a cigarette from Pansy and led them to the loo. He lit it for Harry, grimaced, then passed it over. You're going to hate it, he informed Harry. Maybe I'll become very cool, said Harry, before taking a drag and coughing up half a lung. He choked and choked against Draco's side, and Draco patted him on the back, laughing and forcing Harry to drink water from the toothbrush mug by the sink. I'm sorry, he said. I shouldn't laugh. It's just that you were so determined. And cool is the one thing you can't achieve through trying. Why does anyone smoke? asked Harry, picking a little piece of ash off his tongue. He felt sure he had done it wrong. Surely tongue ash wasn't supposed to be part of the experience. Draco took the cigarette from him and flushed it down the loo, then climbed back into the windowsill next to Harry. It was a perfect spring night, a small breeze nipping at them through their jumpers, 
They were quiet for a moment. I still love you, said Harry. Draco closed his eyes, looking abruptly miserable. Harry turned his face to the cool wood of the window jam. Sorry, he added. I got that promotion, said Draco. I'm going to be in New York for six months. It's sort of a training thing at the New York office. Congratulations, said Harry to the window jam. Draco nodded, picking at his jumper. Don't know if I can do it, he said. For a second, Harry thought that Draco was going to say, because I'll miss you so much. But then Draco put both his hands to his head and said, I don't know anyone in New York. You'll make friends at the office, said Harry. I'll be alone an awful lot, said Draco. His voice was halted, as if he was trying to keep control of it. You've been better recently, said Harry. Draco gave a little laugh. Yeah, he said. I'm all sorted out now. You know, said Harry, delicately, if you ever wanted to talk... Draco cast him a strange look. You and I can't talk, Harry. It was funny that after all that had passed between them, it was Draco who couldn't trust Harry. But Harry didn't say that aloud, because he knew that was exactly the sort of statement that made Draco unable to trust him. And Harry got it, maybe, a bit. Got that Draco couldn't unburden his heart to someone who might one day feel angry and lash out with devastating precision, just where Draco was the most breakable. Draco was guilty, and Harry had the power to make him feel that, any time he wanted. I think we'd make each other really happy, said Harry. So let's go out, then, said Draco, dully. Whatever you want. Don't do that, that's not fair, said Harry. I've never... Draco smiled tightly. Sorry, he said. You're right. Dean stumbled into the bathroom. Are you two fucking? he asked them, as he got out his dick and peed, with very poor aim, rather more near than in the toilet. You didn't even close the door, you barbarian, said Draco. No, we aren't, said Harry. I tried to fuck Draco once, said Dean, in a confiding tone. Draco sighed and looked away. He seemed very old all of a sudden, very tired. He wouldn't, said Dean, frigid cow. Was this like at school? asked Harry, because Dean and Seamus had been together since the war. Recently, said Draco, under his breath. Dean did up his jeans and stumbled back out of the bathroom, oblivious to Harry's horrified expression. Do they have, said Harry, finally, hopefully, an, an arrangement? No, said Draco. Are they breaking up? They'll never break up. Dean cheats. Seamus pretends he doesn't notice. Or maybe he really doesn't notice. I don't know. Seamus finds life quite difficult, I think. He doesn't look at it too hard. That's really sad, said Harry. Draco looked Harry steadily in the eye. A bad relationship is worse than being single, he said. Remember? He was so handsome. Carved and slender-wristed and kind. Harry wanted to belong to him. How can you know if something will be bad before you try it? He asked. Draco's eyebrows came desperately together. I really, really like having you for a friend, Harry, he said. And then Pansy burst in with Ron, both of them saying, OK, OK, Katie, let's make them try it. And then they pulled Harry and Draco out of the loo into the kitchen, where they made them taste a bizarre concoction they'd created, which Harry suspected was largely vodka and salad dressing. And Harry didn't bring it up with Draco again, whatever it was. And Draco accepted his promotion. 
Chapter 14 You can fire call me, said Harry. He leant against Draco's doorframe, in a strange reversal of their usual roles, as Draco finished packing. A long, clean swoop of fair hair covered Draco's face as he bent his head. Not keen on fire calls, he muttered. Sticking your face in a fire, no thanks. Right, said Harry. Ah, uh, letters? Mobile phone, said Draco. They're very common in New York, apparently. I'll have to get one for work. Oh, yeah, sounds good, said Harry. Draco held up a pair of purple skinny jeans. Pack or leave? Pack, you look great in those, said Harry. Draco smiled and put them in his trunk. Maybe we shouldn't talk too much anyway, said Harry. I'll be busy, I think, said Draco. But if you need me... Yeah, same, said Harry. Busy, but if you need... Draco left without much fanfare, early the next morning. He left a note on the kitchen table. Harry, thank you for being the best housemate, TM. Call me whenever, I'll make time. Draco. And his number at the bottom. Draco's in love with you, repeated Ron. That's really beside the point, said Harry. But Draco's in love with you, said Ron. Blimey, this is weirder than when he started dating Neville, and that was weird enough. Try not to let your crush on Draco distract you from what Harry is saying, Ron, said Hermione, looking a bit exasperated. You... what? said Harry. They were in the park. It was a glorious, daffodil sort of spring that year. Blue skies, and even Hermione was wearing sundresses. Oh, come on, he's hot as fuck, said Ron. I'm allowed to be confused. Apparently that's the norm when it comes to Draco, said Harry, gloomily eating a crisp. He had received a text from Draco that morning. No fish and chips in Manhattan. Should I kill myself now or later? Lol, but also please don't check about that, Harry answered, and Draco didn't text back. So where did you leave it? asked Hermione. I mean, I, I don't know. Draco's been pretty clear for a long time that he doesn't want to be with me, and I feel like maybe I could convince him he's wrong, but I also know he would feel like I'd pressured him into a relationship, so I don't know. Hermione hesitated. Harry, she said. What? Draco and Neville were very unhappy. Has everyone forgotten that I'm not Neville? Hermione shook her head, eyes widening. Harry, of course not. You're so different. It's just... It's not easy, dating someone with that much history. Remember when Ginny dated Theo? And then he made some offhand remark about, oh, I don't even remember what, and she thought he was slighting Fred. Harry hadn't really followed Ginny's brief relationship with Theo. And he wasn't, said Ron, obviously. But even I... Like, sometimes, when I'm having a bad day and I've had a few drinks, I think of Draco and I want to punch him. Maybe I just remember wanting to punch him. But if I was dating him... Don't get any ideas, said Hermione. And Ron grinned before becoming serious again. It will be hard, he said. Because I wouldn't be able to hide that. And he would know. And it would hurt him. And then when I calm down, I feel terrible. But also, I don't know, I mean, he poisoned me, right? I never want to punch Draco, said Harry. I just think maybe it's a good thing he'll be away for a while. Give you some space to think about whether this level of complication is really something either of you can handle, said Hermione. Harry, said Blaze, opening the door of his extravagant townhouse with a crocodile smile. Are we to be best of friends again? I'm never trusting you with anything ever, said Harry, elbowing past him. Jesus, your house is nice. Diamond mines, fur trade, and extensive property in Dubai, said Blaze. Mother has such excellent taste in men. Come through to the roof terrace. Mipsy, 
Cocktails. Or tea. Both, in fact. Ten minutes later, Harry was sitting on the most comfortable chair known to man, on a perfectly manicured terrace, sipping a cocktail. This is delicious, he said. There are advantages to a friendship with me. Granted, they're largely aesthetic or economic, but they are advantages nonetheless. So, Harry, what brings you away from your busy schedule of saving the world? You know how a friend group hangs out a lot, like, as a group? We are a ragtag collection of childless layabouts, yes, said Blaze. I think I didn't realise how much everyone was hanging out one-on-one behind the scenes, said Harry. Blaze cocked his head inquiringly. Just, Harry continued, Draco seems always to know everything about everyone, because he spends time with people one-on-one. So I thought I would try that. If you wish to press me for gossip, Harry, I'm afraid I'll disappoint you terribly. I never gossip. I'm famous for my closed-mouthed discretion. Harry laughed, and Blaze smiled, looking rather relieved, and he relaxed a little in his chair. You know, said Harry, if Draco's over the stress catism thing, I follow his judgment. Do you? Yes. And you find Draco to be a wise and reliable decision-maker, do you? You know, all of you kinds of dicks about him, said Harry. You could try having a little faith in him. Blaze raised one eyebrow and leant back into his chair. Draco's the cleverest idiot I know. I have faith in both his cleverness and his idiocy. Tell me about you and Pansy, said Harry. Blaze went very still. What a little traitor, he said eventually. I can't believe I trusted that boy. She's using less these days, said Harry. Blaze's lip curled up unhappily. This isn't a war, he said. You can't just wade confidently in and fix everything. You'll make a mess. All right, said Harry. I just wanted to register my investment. Noted, said Blaze, and changed the subject. But several hours later, when Harry was walking down the bright, clean steps of Blaze's townhouse, Blaze said, She's my best friend, you see. Yeah, said Harry. I get it. Do you ever think about the war? asked Harry. Marcus fumbled his broom as he put it back in its locker. Uh he said, looking at Harry. They were both sweaty from an afternoon of hard flying. Doesn't everyone? I don't know, said Harry. Do they? I do. Marcus's eyes went soft. It always looked strange when he was gentle, because his face was crooked and loutish. But Harry liked it. I can imagine, said Marcus. So, do you? asked Harry. Lost two cousins and an uncle. I was only close with one of the cousins said Marcus. I'm sorry, said Harry. It's all right. We'll go sometime. I've never found that very comforting, said Harry. No, me neither, said Marcus. But I... He looked suddenly huge in his awkwardness and ran a hand through his hair. It's weird talking to you about it, he admitted. We don't have to, said Harry. Just, you know, my cousin, Cato, he wasn't... Marcus sighed and rubbed the back of his neck. On your side. On the right side, I mean. Harry sat on the changing room bench and looked at Marcus expectantly. Who was a few years older than me. Really funny. Good at Quidditch, too. We we used to fly together, he said, and suddenly Marcus was crying. It was so quick that by the time Harry reached him, the tears had stopped. Sorry, said Marcus. Don't apologise, said Harry. I just miss him said Marcus. That's all. Yeah, said Harry. I saw his favourite biscuits in the shop the other day. 
They're French. Usually no one carries them. Then I had this moment of thinking, oh, I'll get them for him and he'll be so pleased. And then I remembered. I'm sorry, said Harry. Just blubbed and blubbed. Everyone stared. So embarrassing, you know. But never mind. It's important to be cheerful. Is it? asked Harry. Marcus met his eyes seriously. Yes, he said. It was two weeks before Draco called Harry. Harry was in the bath, staring at his ceiling and letting his mind lie flat, and still in a not horrible way, and his phone rang. Hello? Harry Potter? <laughs> Draco, how are you? How's New York? Are you American yet? Do you live in a penthouse? I share a flat with about two hundred friendly cockroaches, said Draco. How are you? Are you feeling all right? Fine, said Harry. How glamorous are you? Extremely. I live above a pizza shop. Yesterday an old Russian man spat out a tooth at me. Fantastic. Was the tooth loose already? Had he kept it in his mouth in the anticipation of finding someone with a particularly spittable face? No way to know. You're living the life, said Harry. Have you made friends? Uh, a bit. There's the guy showing me the ropes at work. Chet, can you believe it? I nearly died when he told me. Chet? What's he like? asked Harry. Brash and friendly. You'd like him. Although, you like most people. I think it's one of your most admirable traits. And how's it been, being alone more? There was a long pause. Draco? He's still there? I'm here. Sorry, yeah. It's been a bit trying, actually. A bit, you know, uh, harrowing. But I'm through the worst of it now, I think, hopefully. You should have called, said Harry. Felt like something I needed to sort out alone said Draco, quietly. And have you? Sorted it out? Uh, no, <laughs> said Draco, and laughed. But I'm all right. It's good to hear your voice. Yeah, said Harry, fervently. You too. You've been okay? Yeah, said Harry. I've been talking to people, about the war, and just, I don't know, talking more. That's good? Yeah, it's good, said Harry. Good, said Draco. Good. They slipped slowly into talking more often. Harry tried not to call, because he had a feeling Draco had taken the promotion partly to get some distance from him. But Draco started calling him once a week, then twice a week, then three or even four times. Sorry, 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 he said. I'll let you go in a second. I just went to Times Square for the first time and I need to debrief. Were you alarmed? asked Harry. Alarmed? It was magical. All those lights. I gobbled it up. I stared open-mouthed. Someone stole my wallet, obviously. I was the most touristy tourist you ever saw. It must be amazing. I've only seen pictures, said Harry. Draco sounded as if he was pacing. Oh, it was terrible. Absolute nightmare, and I'm never going back again. They had all these men in cloaks and masks. I must have seen at least three, and people were paying them to take pictures. Like Darth Vader impersonators? I don't know. It was awful. I threw up in a bin, all in black with masks. But you liked the light, said Harry because it sounded as if Draco was steering himself in the wrong direction. I liked the lights. All right, I know it's late where you are. I'll leave you alone. What are you up to this evening? Uh, nothing, nothing. He was a little breathless. Will you be all right? asked Harry. I feel as if I'm going to die, said Draco, conversationally. But that's just part of being alone, I think. I don't know if it is, said Harry. The lights were good. I loved the lights. The the screen thing made all the advertisements seem so lovely. I wish the Wizarding World was lovely like that, instead of filled with hideous Victorian hangovers. You think Times Square is lovelier than Diagon Alley? Of course, said Draco. It's so new. It's exciting. 
wish those men in masks hadn't been there. God, it's hot. All right, I'm going to take a very cold shower and remain perfectly calm. You don't sound okay, said Harry. Sort of black cloak things they wore. Who were they impersonating? Darth Vader. He's a famous villain from a series of muggle films. Oh, villain, yes, that makes sense. They look like uh, that. God, God. Anyway, sorry to call again. Sleep well. I can stay on the phone, said Harry. No, no, I'm actually fine. I just haven't eaten. I'm, I'm just hot. We could watch the film they're from, said Harry. Darth Vader, I mean. Um, and he features quite a lot, I suppose. I think you'll enjoy it, said Harry. Draco seemed uncertain, but he also clearly didn't want Harry to leave, so they watched a new hope together on the phone. As Harry had predicted, Draco grew calmer. Harry fell asleep after an hour. When he woke up, Draco had hung up long ago, but there was a single text from him. Thanks, X. That was part seven of Scaredy Cat, written and read by Gala Basidia. Tune next week for part eight. Don't forget you can join my newsletter if you like at newsletter.gallopod.com. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a rating and a review on the Apple Podcast app and maybe share it with a friend who you think will like it. I also have an Instagram at letthemeetbooks with underscores instead of spaces where I post reviews of books I read, so please say hello on there. Thank you for listening.